0: This edition of the Die Hard Dan podcast was recorded on location. You may hear my son with autism in the background. It's because of the fact we're at the hotel. Uh, we had some renovations done on my usual podcast location. So, but still enjoy this upcoming edition of the Die Hard Dan podcast. Coming up on this edition of the Die Hard Dan podcast, we go on the ball as we look at the expectations of the new offense for the upcoming season. Then we defend it. Then, as we look at the defensive line. Are they really underrated? Then we look at our two new segments, the Our Pride Profile on Barry Sanders, and the Now You Know segment on offensive skill position groups. All this and more coming up on this edition of the Die Hard Damn podcast. Here comes the roar.
1: What up, dude? And welcome to the Die Hard Den. It's your man, Kurt, still in the building. I'm on location, so if you hear a little thing, a little differently, I'm um, having some work done in my house, so I'm at a different location. So, But I'm in the building once again, anyways, with my man, Shawnee J. Tell him what's up, Shawnee J.
2: Hello, everybody, uh, Alliance Nation. I hope everyone had a good Memorial Day holiday.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, remember those soldiers who's fallen. That's definitely uh, as a uh, retired army. Um, definitely remember the, my fallen and brother and sisters' arms yesterday on Memorial Day. So let's get into it. Now it's time for. Tell me something good. Now, tell me something good this week. It's my man, Matthew Stafford. I'm a little off. showing up. Old, oh, dusty Aaron Rodgers can't chug a beer to save his life. And Kelly Stafford was the hero of the day, captioning her good old husband and our quarterback out chugging Aaron Rodgers, who couldn't chug a 12-ounce beer. I'm just saying. You know? That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean. Yes, it was.
2: <laughs> you know, his fine offensive lineman, um, Adam Bakari, is so a six anyway. Yeah. He chugged three beers. He's a big old 300-plus prime offensive lineman. So maybe it a fair fight. But Aaron Rodgers going only take half of beer. I think he's a, like um same thing, remember Tony Syracuse said about Joey Harrington just goes a wine and cheese guy. That's what <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is. And yeah. and Stafford shows sure he's a tough guy, which yeah. which proves he's a man. He just catch a beer, a full beer. Yeah. It looks like a like at least a 20-ounce glass. Yeah. He just chugged it without, without hesitation. Nice. So he should have been he should have been there.
1: Yeah, and a nice Pilsner glass, yeah. That, that was
2: funny. What you got for you? Tell me something good this week, my man. Well, I guess some NBA related, but how it had into likes like this. As most of you know, the Toronto Raptors made the NBA Finals. They beat the heavily favored Milwaukee Bucks, makes their first NBA Finals. They are, they've been around the league 24, 24 seasonally, the so they've been around a while. But they're one of the younger franchises. And how does this um, tie into the Lions? Well, the Raptors here were bad for years. But they finally made it to the finals. You know, our Lions, as much as we love them, they have been great for years. So, so we
1: can make the Super Bowl. Giving us hope, man. Giving us hope. Hey, if, if the Raptors can make the finals, then we can make the Super Bowl. I hear you on that one, man. And if the
2: Cubs can win, finally win the World Series after 108 years, we should be able to win a Super Bowl,
1: too. That is correct. So, same with the Boston Red Sox. All those teams it'll be our, it's, it's going to be our day soon. I think, i am telling you, I think we're going to, we're going to, we're going to shock the world this year with some, with some, uh, we're going to make some deep, some deep moves into the playoffs this year. So, yes. all right. So now it's time to go. On the ball, on the ball. Say go. And, let's talk about the new offense. Now, Darren Bevel was hired, and I like the hire, just because of the fact the type of offense he runs. If you look at his past, Um, success in the league. He was successful for two Super Bowl runs with this L.C. Seahawks. You look at his resume, uh, he likes to run the ball, pound that rock wherever he goes. He's had some really outstanding running backs that he's really, really made their career. You look at um, Beast Mode and Adrian Peterson. He's had some bell cow backs that he really helped build their career. And I hope he can do the same thing with carry on Johnson. So my expectation really for his offense, and this is my expectation is pounding the rock play action using a lot of two tight end sets um, that we can stress, stress the middle of the field and create some mismatch against some linebackers, maybe throw in some theoretic uh, with some check downs and some routes, but really utilize the run game And play action and really add some some longevity to Matthew Stafford's career.
2: Absolutely. I agree on that. I think Matthew Stafford, as he has into his 11th season, he welcomes this change where he doesn't have to be the man. He doesn't care about throwing for 4,000 or 5,000 yards anymore. He's already getting paid. He wants to win. And I'm sure, like I said, if a rebuild offensive line and two big tight ends, helping blocking for him, and the emphasis on a running game, this will take a lot of pressure off him. Because he's got, you know, Matthew's as tough as they come. I don't care what they say. Mm-hmm. He has missed games. Since um twenty ten. Right. He's he's been our rock, he's been our Brett Fire. Mm-hmm. He's been tough, he's played over injuries like Brett a lot, Brett Fire. Right. Um, and then like I said, you know, it's the running game. That'll take pressure off him, and I don't want to see him take a 10-sack game ever again in my life. No, no, sure don't. I want, that's what the, our offensive line will pom- pummel the Minnesota Vikings and the Bears and the Packers and all these other defenses. That's why I want my man I'm still pushing for my man, Bob Ben Schwazzo. Oh, you know that guy. <laughs> yeah, so let me see what's kind of office alignment. Yes. But like I, if you saw in the group, I, I promise to tone it down a little bit because you see Aaron Rodgers, another big that as big as office lineman as it came, yeah. at 280 pounds. I think he's really gonna dominate, but he can do nothing with the Lions.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I just I I just think that, you know, Matthew said, I mean, we've seen him taped up put together, pieced together, limping on the field, and he stills in there playing, broken finger, glove on his hand with one finger. Um, he's just a tough, tough as nails quarterback. But I think he's going to have really um, – I won't say he will have the best um, stats of his career this season because I don't think they're, the offense is built to pass for 5,000 yards. I'd rather see them run the ball – Ball control offense, throw, throw when they need to. If you look at even the Patriots last year, they changed their offense. They were a run first team. So, and I think that that's the direction that Patricia wants to go with the Lions: physical football, running the ball up front, smash mouth division football like we used to in the old Norse Division, and really just kick down some doors and control the ball game. Uh, that's my expedition for the offense. So. Any final words on the offense, my man? Um, like I said, I just – like
2: I said, I don't want to see Matthew Stafford get killed out there. You know, I want to see Stafford be upright. He's getting older. He's still tough, but I do want to see the offensive line dominate. It all sets the line, and like I said, we went two tight ends. There was a post in our group today. Someone posted it from the prior Detroit that, you know – T.J. Hockinson's going to become his new best friend and renew his um, faith in the tight end position. So T.J., he's getting rave reviews, but this is only OTAs. Like I said, we can't, you know, we can't take too much out of OTAs,
1: but I'm hoping. Yeah, helmets and shorts, man. You don't really learn a lot from from that stuff. So, I mean, we'll see when they they start putting the pads on what what it looks like. But, I mean, I, I get what they're saying so far. He looks good. But, I mean... A lot of people look good in t-shirts and shorts, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and a helmet during the during the springtime. So, all right, so wrap that up on the ball. Now it's time to defend the damn Now I've seen. I know you read this article about the uh, defensive line, Shawnee J. Mm-hmm. What is your feeling about the defensive line? There's an article I'm around out there about them being underrated. What do you think?
2: I, I agree with that. Um, this, you know, NFL, pro sports is a, a proven too many type business. I get that. But I do think our, our defensive line is underrated. Um, a full season, hopefully get Snacks Harrison in there, you know, hopefully by training camp, by the mandatory um, OTAs and training camp, hopefully he won't hold out and uh, he's there because he's key. You notice that the Lions' run defense improved greatly after he joined the team. I mean, nobody can run up the middle on us when S- Snacks is in there. I mean, he dominated the middle. He dominated better than Indama Khan did, or or Nick Fairley, or Luther Ellis you know, guys in the past did. He was like a run to a, big, a brick wall. He demanded double and triple teams. Um so he's he's a he is the catalyst, you know, and he he frees up other guys to make plays like, you know, we got the the top free agent once again and Trey Flowers. Um he's he's a, a great two-way player. He can set the edge on the run and he can rush the passer. And I still love Romeo Aquara on the other and he's a big, strong guy who has best seats out of Patricia. And don't forget about the two Battle Boys, also a defensive tackle, Sean and Deshaun Robinson. So I, and I love the work we have. Big, um, Austin Bryan is it out of Clemson. So and our the defensive line
1: and linebacker. Yeah.
2: Yes. Big guy, six six two eighty. 280. Um, so our defense line is, um, going to be impressive and they are underrated, but that's fine with me. We I don't, you know, because the low expectations for the Lions, they don't expect to win very many games. We got them right where we want them. So that's where we can come stick up on people and and shock the world as the great Juwan Howard once said.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree with that assessment. I think the a lot is underrated. I like snacks up front. I like Ch- hand and those guys from um from, uh, from Bamo. Along with my man, I like I like H. I. Robinson, the old man, old uh, grumpy old man looking guy. <laughs> I think they I think they're gonna be uh, a force. Uh, they're playing together in that scheme again. You're gonna have Snacks putting his footprint more on the team as far as his leadership role. I know he's not there right now, but there is a video of him working out online, so he is working out. He's just working out on his own now. We'll get to the next segment about the OCAs, but I really believe that the Lions' defensive line is going to be underrated. Now, I won't wait on that. I won't put too much on this on the defensive line for sacks just because of the fact that if you look at Patricia's system, even when he was at New England, it was the sacks numbers came from the outside linebackers and some of those inside guys, and they came from stunts, and twists and pressures coming from off the edge, even in the secondary. So there wasn't a big onus on the defensive line to make a lot of uh, sacks, but they set the edge and they actually really made lanes for those linebackers to come through and get good sacks. Yes. Yeah. All right. That's that's on defensive end this week. Uh, it's time to two points conversing now. Two points conversing this week. We gonna get into some things. I got some. I got some information to put out. Really, to look at um OTAs. All right. Now, as most people probably know, if you don't know, we're gonna tell you right here on the Die Hard Damn Podcast. Two of the biggest names on our defense are not at the voluntary OTAs this week between the activities, and that's one Darius Slay and the aforementioned Snacks Harrison. Now. There is an article out uh, on the FreePress.com. It was in the paper last week that supposedly these individuals were holding out because of contract dispute. They want a new contract, right? And Snacks Harrison was the best defensive tackle in the league for the uh, as a run stopper. Would you agree that, Johnny J?
2: Yes, he was. He, he and PFF said that, you know, I don't put too much stats in those PFF scores, but he the
1: last three years, he was the number one run um, stopper in the NFL. He was the number one run stopper in the NFL. Now, for defensive tackles, he ranks a good eleventh in for his base salary for the season. He makes a whopping $9 million uh, for this season. For the last few seasons. Now, the top rated guy is Cedric Cox, which understandably so, he makes around 17 million. But you got Geno Atkins, k Short, those guys are around that 16 million, Grady Jared at about 15. I think if he wants to negotiate a new, new deal, he has a, what do you call that, negotiating chip in his back pocket with his performance on the field, wouldn't you say?
2: Yes and no. He's a great run stopper, and if he paid nine dollars a year, it's no chump change. Right. If he was maybe uh, a better pass rusher, maybe got ten sacks seats and go along with his run stopping ability, then I can see him um, commanding more money. But he does what he does well, and that's stop the run. And he 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 puts a wall in the middle. He takes up the the center and the two guards and um, mm-hmm. you know, other linemen to make so. He was happy when he signed a contract with the Giants, right. and two years into it, he he got two years left in his contract on his deal, mm-hmm.
1: and all of a sudden now he's unhappy. Um, now, now even you know that's a rumor though. That's, a, that's a, it's only a rumor that that he's holding up for a con for a contract. Now, it, now he does say he wanted. To, now he does say he wanted to stay in Detroit. That's one thing he wanted to renegotiate to stay in Detroit. So. After a half a season, pretty much?
2: I say if snacks, you know, just be patient, snack. You know, you're getting paid already, nine millions. Look at this thing's that right. If you have one full good season in Detroit, 2019, the Lions are going to be just like we think they are, and you dominate, you, you make it impossible run up the middle, you call the middle. Then we can talk about the extension you want, but like so you just got here, snacks, mm-hmm. and already putting pressure on on a new regime after you sign a contract, you're very happy with. Now you mm-hmm. want. I understand. He's in this 30, 31 November. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he sees. You know, he's thinking about the future, and I can't blame the man. Right. But um, still, you, know, you see, it's not like you're getting paid the the minimum wage of the NFL. You're getting paid very good money, right? And you. At sixteen million dollars or seventeen million dollars, like Ziggy got paid last year,
1: the shows you could do it for a whole season. What but, line? The so only thing with that Ziggy thing that the Ziggy was making that he was making the average of the top tier defensive end was get paid higher than the defensive tackles. But I get what you're saying, and the salary cap thing was a was an issue with me for for Ziggy uh, with the franchise tag. But I get what you're saying
2: right and let me ask you know
1: on the subject
2: do you, will you miss Ziggy, or do you think it was time for him to go I think it was time for him to go yeah we we discussed this a couple
1: of shows ago yeah I think Ziggy was it was his time he was up in Detroit I wish him all the all the best up in Seattle um, hopefully he can get back on the field and get healthy but it was his time for the Lions and for him to move on I agree so, now getting back to the other player in the OTAs that's not there and supposedly is a contract dispute is Darius Slay. Now, he makes a little bit closer, but he's still toward that 11, 12, uh, as far as the where he is, as far as cornerbacks in the league. His base salary this year, last year he made only $2 million. This year he's scheduled to make $12 million uh, will be his base salary this year. And with the top corner in the league, which is Xavier Howard, who just signed that big contract down in Miami, is at $15 million. So you got Josh Norman, Tremaine Johnson, Xavier Rhodes, I mean, Patrick Peterson. He's around that top tier, guys. He mixes in well with that group where he's been a pro bowler and he's led the league in pass defense. He might not have as many interceptions last year, but he had eight and led the league the year prior as far as the corner position. So. I think really he has a lot of chips if that's the reason why he's sitting out. He may just be sitting out OTH because his body's tired. I mean, he played a little longer season than everybody else on the team. So, um, and I think really this is a statement because he had an issue with them cutting individuals in the middle of their contract. I think he had a really personal issue with the Nevin Lawson uh, release myself. Um, just because they were pretty bad really close. But I think he may have some ammunition, you know, but the Lions have a lot of money left under the cap. I think they're number 10 in the league right now with the amount of money they still have under the salary cap, even with the rookie signings.
2: Well, <laughs> if you say that Darius is um, going to, is scheduled to make $12 million mm-hmm. for this kind of not too many people going to feel sorry for him. Um, you know, those, those teams you mentioned, like, um, signed those contracts, Cornerbacks, those big contracts, a lot of them, like Miami, other teams you mentioned, are having regrets when if the player doesn't live up to his contract, like Sue yeah. never lived up to the big contract he signed with Miami. Mm-hmm. And I saw I was, everybody saw it coming, he was going to be a cap casualty. Everybody saw that coming because he asked that there's no way in hell he would live mm-hmm. up to that big contract. And a lot of these Josh Norman, who signed a big contract with the Skins, he Really hasn't played a little to the contracts. So when the guys get paid that much money, happens. Mm-hmm. They, they tend to fall off. I think Darius, as well as Damien, should be cool. I mean, again, pay a lot of money, right. maybe top of their position, but they, like I said, they're not just making the vets minimum. I'm um, twelve million dollars. Once again, we just paid Darius right.
1: now, two years ago. We just paid him, you know, it's and now, but this stuff it's is all rumor and conjecture anyway. I mean, we really don't know that that's the reason why they're. They're not in camp because it's voluntary anyway, right? Yes. So, I mean, these are rumors, you know, by, you know, people in the industry. Now, that doesn't mean it is is true to to form that these guys are holding out because they want more money. They just could be holding out because it's voluntary. They're not really holding out. They're just not there because it's voluntary.
2: Well, you know, voluntary... You know, or not, you know, wink wink is yes, voluntary, but we really think you should be there, especially one of team leaders. You know, I um, mean, and good. Now, I know Barry, Barry, who I'll uh, be talking about in a minute, mm-hmm. he had a history. I don't think he ever attended a, a mini camp mm-hmm. um, or OTAs or mini camps back in the day and it affect him and it didn't affect him at all. I mean, the players, they knew Barry would be there. And do his thing with a tang. So but still, I think that you should be there. I, I thought Barry should have been there too, but he was Barry and nobody black bat in the eye when he never showed up to the um in the mini camps or OTAs. Right. But you tried to it's like wink wink, yes, voluntary, but you know, wink wink, you we still expect you to be there, wink, wink, unless you have a very a very, very, very good excuse like Matthew had when his wife was going
1: through her, her brain surgery or something like that. Uh, I think, me, just my personal opinion, I'm not really putting it too much onus on it. These guys are in the defense. Um, I would have a, I would have a bigger issue if a bigger name on the offensive side of the ball because a new system's going in this season. So i probably have a bigger issue with an offensive guy missing this year than a defensive guy. But It's voluntary um, and it's it's been voted on in the CBA to give these players more uh, downtime in the offseason. Now, I will say with Darius, Darius was at the workouts, uh, the workouts prior. He just not at the OTAs. He was at the voluntary workouts um, a couple of weeks ago. So, it's like he hasn't been at Allen Park at all. He has been there. He's just not there for this iteration. Now, he may be. Now, another one starts again tomorrow. So by the time this podcast comes out, there'll be another OTA. Maybe Darius is there for that one. Maybe he's not. So we'll have to see.
2: Yes, and before we move on, I want to ask you, you know, a couple of people, Belichick said that the reason there seemed to be more player injuries is because they cut back on a number of off-season workouts um, the teams can enforce on a place like the O-Chase and strength and conditioning and team um, activities. you think there's some validity to that? Now,
1: I w- I will say this. I would think that the players are in, what do you call that. If you're coming in and you're already in football shape, you're getting the, the less activity you have, the more onus you have on injury because of the fact that your your body's not adept to um the pounding it takes in those in the the training camp when you get to the season. Now I will say this: a lot of players complaining about injuries or you know, that there's stuff uh, during the season. So it's a kind of a win and lose situation on one hand. Does it contribute? Maybe. But on the other hand, they were saying they were, it, they were getting worn out before the season. So um, I would say um, for the betterment of the league, I think it's, it's had, its, it's had its ups and downs with the, with the injuries for the OTAs and the, the lesson of the off season workouts. I mean, I know, as fans, we want to see the, the lion, the our lions on the field as much as possible, even practice or not. So,
2: and I also remember last year during Patricia when he first got the job, he brought in. I don't know if he's still there that strength and conditioning coach. Yep. Who, who's who? He's, he's, he, he, he's gone. Gone. He's gone. Yeah, um, he moved on. Right. Some people. He really had a. He put the lions to a different training regimen than we used to, mm-hmm. and some people blame his um. Blame his training techniques for the injuries the Lions suffer. I mean, yeah.
1: you never know. Yeah, uh, I know that the um, I think his name was Nash. I think he. Uh, I think he moved on. He took a different role, and then he took a different role. that kind of moved him around last year. Remember, he came from the Patriots anyway, so they kind of moved him. Then now nah, he's not. He's not that strength and conditioning coach anymore. So yeah, I really um, hope that. You know, I don't want to see anybody injured, and I hope they can kind of come to a happy medium where the players aren't getting injured. Um, and I think sometimes the onus is on this player as well. If you're sitting at home goofing off, you know, a lot of those, you know, players have personal trainers, and they work out different uh, with different football individuals throughout the offseason. So, you know, you see Slate every year go work out with the other top-tier corners. Uh, in the league, he goes out and work with Richard Sherman and those guys and Tlaib and I think in Houston in the offseason. So it's not like you know these guys aren't, aren't going to get their work, but you know they got to put some all this on themselves to come in to come in to camp in shape. You know what I'm saying? They got to take yes. upon themselves to make sure they they're coming to camp ready to go in shape, because that's when the injury is going to happen when they're not in shape, or just be a fluke injury. You know, there's a whole bunch of studies that yeah. yeah, Um There's been a lot of honest about like Achilles injuries with the footwear, like how they made the cleats lighter and faster. But then that has to do with some to compromise some of the support in this and the actual cleat itself. So I mean, it's all kind of you know theories about injuries, but you know, um, I get what you're saying. But hopefully, I pray that nobody gets injured in the Lions' camp or anybody else. I don't want anybody else get injured, but really, I only see anybody uh, coming out of Ann Park with an injury this, this uh, offseason. Exactly. <laughs> All right, moving on, my man. Now we got a new segment, and we're going It's called our pride. And our first segment is going to be a profile mm-hmm. on the great Barry Sanders. My man, they J, you up with our pride profile?
2: Yes, you know, when you told me we were going to do this segment on um, some of the most um, best Lions players in their history, yeah, I had to start with the man, the best player in Lions history. That's one, Mr. Barry Sanders, born July 16, 1968, in Wichita, Kansas. He was the third overall pick of the Detroit Lions in the 1989 draft. That was Wayne Fox's first full season as Go SA coach that year. Um, if you recall, the Lions actually had their eyes on a different Sanders who turned out to be pretty good. His name was Dion. However, Dion, you know, there was a couple of red flags about him. Um, he was, he wanted to be one of those, you know, two sport athletes we'll get into later on the segment in the show. He wanted to be a two star. Uh, player, baseball player, and a football player. I love Bo Jackson, and he says uh, he made a very cryptic remark before the draft. He said, "If the Lions wanted to draft him, they had to put so much, pay him so much money to put up in layaway." So you remember that quote he made about that? <laughs> yeah, so the Lions, <laughs> so, um, the Lions um, they had they had plenty of red flags on Deion, so they went to the other Sanders, the humble running back. Oklahoma State. He really get much playing time to his junior year because he sat his first two years behind Thurman Thomas, who went uh, have a great career to Buffalo Bills. Barry, um, like I guess he held out his first um, rookie um, season. He held a training camp. He didn't play. He missed all um, preseason that year, his rookie year. But he showed up his first game. Rex's game against the uh, then the Phoenix Cardinals and the Phoenix Silver His first carry went for eighteen yards. He didn't start the game. Tony Page did, but Barry after that first carry, and he scored a touchdown. And from the rest, as they say, is history. Um, he played ten seasons for the Lions. Obviously, he's the all-time leading rusher before fifteen thousand yards. His career didn't end the way we wanted it, you know, I guess he was was frustrated, no doubt, about the Lions spinning their Mm -hmm. wheels and losing ways. And he just, in the summer of 1999, he announced retirement by sending a fax to his hometown paper, Wichita paper there. I used to retire, he used to take off, take a little one-man vacation in London, and (laughs) he never returned. I thought he might return the following season, but he never came back. He stuck to his gun. He stuck to his mm-hmm. retirement. There's some animosity between Barry and the Lions for a few years. But eventually, it's time, like I said, time heals all wounds. And eventually, the Barry and the Lions, you know, they reconcile. They forgave one another. And he's back in vile with the Lions. You see him at games sometimes. Where's number 20? It's an autograph signings. And like I say, you know, didn't end right, but hey, Barry's back in the fold and I'm hoping something similar is going to happen with the Lions and Calvin Johnson Rod Wood already, already said that he does want to reconcile Calvin
1: alright my man good stuff on my, on my man Barry Sanders
0: welcome to Now You Know the new segment on the Die Hard Damn podcast and what we're going to talk about this week is personnel packages for the offensive skill position groups now there's a lot of, a lot of talk if you read the Lions.com as Tim Tournament wrote an article about 12 personnel packages for the Lions. Now, a lot of people, individuals, are well-educated on football, but some novice fans are not. We're here to bridge the gap. So, what I'm gonna do today, I'm gonna go with officer personnel packages for skilled position groups for the offense. Now, the skill positions for the officer side of the ball include the quarterback, which is not part of this package, but your running back, tight ends, and wide receivers on the offensive side of the ball. So let's go over these personnel packages. For your zero personnel package, you're gonna have zero running backs, zero tight ends, and five wide receivers. Then you're gonna look at your one personnel, which is zero running backs, one tight end, and four wide receivers. If you go your two personnel set, you're gonna have zero running backs, two tight ends, and three wide receivers. Now we're gonna to get to the packages that most likely the Lions will run for this upcoming season. You're gonna have a 10 personnel, which is one running back, no tight ends, and four wide receivers. Then you look at 11 personnel. 11 personnel are one running back, one tight end, and three wide receivers. Now here is a package that Tim Tournament wrote about his article in which I believe that the Lions are going to run most often for this upcoming season. You're going to have 12 personnel, which is one running back, two tight ends, and two wide receivers. Then you look at a 13 personnel, which is a more of a heavy or a run package, which is one running back, three tight ends, and one wide receiver. Now. You may get into a complicated, more of a run or pass option in the 20 personnel, which is two running backs, no tight ends, and three wide receivers. Or you might run into a 21 personnel, which is two running backs, one tight end, and two wide receivers. Now getting down to the goal line, you're looking at a package where you'll have two running backs, two tight ends, and one wide receiver, which is 22 personnel. And last but not least, you look at the really heavy old school run package down at the goal line, which you'll have a two running back set with three tight ends. And those are the skill position groups for offense. If you don't know, now you know. We'll see you next time on the Now You Know segment of the Die Hard Damn podcast.
1: Looking at one last little. Glass bit of housekeeping. We're talking about the two-sport athlete. I know you want to talk a little about Carla Murray. Uh, my thoughts uh, with the way the NFL is structured right now and the way the contract is structured, I don't think that's going to be really possible for a player to, in the NFL to play two sports. I know um, Russell Wilson dabbles around in spring training, but I think the language in the contracts, I really don't think that is going to be really viable. After Dion did the where he played in the NFL and he played in the, in the Major League Baseball, well, he did actually did not play in that the, in the same day. He sat the bench, but he was playing two sports at the same time. Now he was he was able to do it, but the teams didn't like it. So, and I think that with Major League Baseball and NFL, you don't think you'll ever see that again,
2: right? And when the first guy to do it. Bo Jackson, you know, Al Davis, he he went out of his way, built over backwards. He gave Bo a full-time salary, only played half a season. He let Bo play, finish out the entire baseball season, and you know, come in maybe two weeks later after the conclusion of the Royals, Kansas City Royals season. And Bo, he was the first to athlete. Dion said, if Bo could do it, so can I. But it didn't quite work out that way. Um ironically, for a minute, Dion played for both teams in Atlanta, the Braves and the Falcons, and he played the same stadium, and he didn't have to go for it. That was kind of cool, but like I say, it was a conflict. They, um, he just spent at 30 for 30 on that. He talked about that, Deion's double play. Yeah, um, It was awesome he got in that game. He could have played in that baseball game after playing the football games earlier that day, but um, and Deion, I, I, I agree with you, um, especially Kyler Murray being a quarterback. He has to be there for the OTAs and learning new offense and quarterback. He has to be there for the team for sure. He's the face of the team, the key for the offense. He got all the plays, practice some plays. Um, the way OTAs and many camps run concurrently with um, spring training and baseball in the beginning of baseball season, it, it just can work. And I agree with
1: you. It would be kind of cool to see, but I agree it wouldn't work. All right. All right, my man. So tell everybody how they can find you on social media.
2: Well, I'm not a big social media fan person, guys, but you can easily find me on Facebook at Sean Jennings.
1: All right. So for me, you can find me on Twitter at CurtisSteel14. Also the same on Instagram. And you can follow the podcast at C one Also, you can email the show at dieharddanpodc Dan. Hard podcast at gmail.com thank you for listening uh, we will continue these new segments uh, throughout the rest of the, uh, the year we'll see we'll teach some, some things about some football and learn some more history about your, your Detroit Lions so for Johnny J it's your man Kurt Steele signing out
0: peace